Thank you, Josh, and I can see you're a very patient man because tribulation worketh patience, so I'm sure with experiencing all that cold weather that um, you know just how to be patient. That's great. Hey, it's good to be with you again and um, thanks for the opportunity of uh, being with you. It's uh, always good to be among friends and it's always good to be able to share God's word. And as we've been reminded, uh, you've been doing 40 days in the word and uh, you've been working on that and you're sort of coming to the end of that. And a lot of the focus over last week and this week has been how do we integrate God's word into our lives. And uh, who can remember a couple of key points from last week? We've got to do something if we're going to... This might, this might help you. Let's see if it works. Anyone remember what that building is on the left-hand side? Graham should know what it is. No? We were talking about building on... The eighth tallest building. It's the Shanghai Financial um, Centre. And uh, we remember we were talking about foundations and if we're going to integrate God's word into our lives, we've got to build on a solid foundation. And as an engineer down there, Rob, you'll be pleased to know that... um, Anyone remember the figures? How many piles were there? 2,200 piles that were driven 250 feet into the ground that that building is actually built on. And so we were talking about the importance of having our roots down into the word of God. And we want to talk a little bit more about that And you can see in China in 2009 those buildings that were built very, very quickly and didn't have those foundations, when the challenges came they actually fell over and we were just reminded of that sinkhole that uh, that opened up a couple of weeks ago. But the other thing that we talked about was the importance of desiring God's word, that we would not integrate God's word into our life at all if we didn't have a desire for it. You'll remember the illustration that I talked about a young guy that I went to school with that just loved John Deere tractors and so he knew absolutely everything there was to know about them because it was the thing that he really focused on. If you're a petrol head, I don't know, are you a petrol head, Kenny? You know, what's happening today? A few thousand K, you know, a couple of thousand K to the north. I know that if you're into cars, well, you'll know everything. Won't you about them? And it won't won't be too hard to get home and watch and see who's winning. Um, just be careful if you don't drive well, you know what happens as we saw on Saturday afternoon. I won't say what type of car that it was that uh, was being driven at that time but I prefer Holden so you'll, re- you'll remember what sort of car was being driven. But indeed as we come to this last study um, in terms of the week six and we think about how we integrate God's word into our lives we think about the fact that the Bible or the Word of God is often referred to as seed and if we're going to integrate God's Word into our lives, the passage that we read talked very much about that. And there's a verse that I think I might have here. No, we'll go back one, but how do I integrate God's Word into our lives? Well, we've got to grow through it as Jesus told this parable about the soils. It's often called the parable of the sower, isn't it? But it's really nothing to do with the sower. It's all to do with the types of soil. So it should be called the parable of the soils. And as we think about this, Jesus gave a direct interpretation and said, well, it was about how people responded to God's word and whether they became followers of his. 
what I want to spend some time this morning is taking that a little bit further and say that in actual fact this is talking to you and to me this morning and it's saying that we can experience all four of these soil types in our lives at various times and today. There might be part of our life that we're receptive to God's word and there might be another part of our life that's not receptive to God's word. And so what this actually represents, this parable as we work through it, is our response to God's word today and what that means for you and I. And so as we think about our responses, our responses are determined by our attitude and our attitude is determined by our mind. So I want us to think this morning about our thinking, about our mindset. You've heard that word before, haven't you? If I showed you that picture of a young woman looking to the left and you can see that, can't you? Yeah? How many of you can see a young woman looking to the left? Put up your hand. Yes? How many can see an old woman looking down? We've just got three or four. If I show you that picture, you'll say that that's an old woman looking down, won't you? Okay, so you can see that. If I show you that, can you see an old woman looking down? How many can see an old woman looking down? Now, isn't it interesting? When I showed you that first picture, that picture the first time, there would have been 90% of you here saw the young woman. When I showed you it the second time, there would have been about 90% of you saw the old woman. We weren't playing tricks, but it was just a mindset. It was the grid through which you viewed that picture that determined what you actually saw. And so you see, our mindset, when we come to the word of God, determines how we'll respond to the word of God. If I think that P-platers drive fast, If I'm driving along the road and I see an accident and it's actually the car's got a P-plate in it, what am I going to say? P-plate is again driving too fast, aren't I? Because that's my preconception, that's my mindset and so our mindset determines how we will react. If you're sitting there at the moment saying, listen, I've been at this for six weeks, I've heard all this before, there's nothing new, Um, well then you probably won't get too much out of today. But if you're there saying, well, this is interesting, okay, I'm open to be able to hear what God wants to say to me, well then I'll probably see some things and hear some things that I haven't heard before. And so the first one is the hardened soil. So we want God to open my eyes, as you can see and you've had up here, that I might see wonderful things in your law. That needs to be our attitude as we come this morning. So if we think about the soils, and I said it was really about our mindsets, this first soil represents a closed mind, a mind that is so hard that the seed falls on it, the birds come along, take it, and it just will not sink in. You know, sometimes we don't give God a chance to talk to us. We've spent the last six weeks, we've been in groups, we've read God's word but if I'm doing something that God's word says that I shouldn't, I might be 
going with a boy or a girl that perhaps doesn't share the same values but I really like that person and yet God's word encourages me to go with someone that shares the same values but I just don't hear it. Even though I'm reading God's word, even though I'm in Bible study, even though I'm in church, it just does not sink in. You know, I some time ago I had a friend who'd been married for many years and I served alongside him in a church, a lovely wife, two children and he came to the point of deciding to, to leave his wife and children for another man. And I can remember just being absolutely broken and I can remember going and sitting with him and saying, you know, what's going on? And he said, no, 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 it's okay. I said, but what about what God's word says about leaving your wife? And he said, Keith, he said, I'm as close to God now as I ever have been, as I was when I was married to my wife. And I just remember being numb. I really didn't know what to say. But it was the classic for me of a closed mind. It was this sense of being able to believe something that just wasn't true because that's what he wanted to choose to believe. You know, we can be like that. We can be narrow-minded and hard-minded. We can be not open to grappling with new things. You know, it may be a sin that you have struggled with all your life. It may be a relationship that you're aware of that you should not be dabbling with and yet you're refusing to allow God's word to interact with you. Oh, in other parts of your life, it's open and God's able to interact. But on this particular issue, God's word is making no impact. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2, it says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. If we persist, we will just keep searing our conscience and the soil will just keep getting harder and harder like that path as people keep walking over it and it just won't break through. So what do we need to do in that situation? How do we actually allow God to work in our lives in that situation? Well, I'm off a farm and I showed you that big John Deere tractor The thing that we do is we hook a scarifier or a plough, disc plough, whatever that might be, onto the back and we run it through the soil and we open it, we break it up, we rip open the ground. You know, and sadly, when we've got a closed mind, so often it can't come from within. God has to use something from without to get our attention. And it might be something drastic. It might be an accident. It might be something that we've lost. It might be the share market crashes. Whatever it might be that actually brings us to our senses, as it were, that God is ripping open the soil to allow his word to actually interact with us. 
We need to pray to open our eyes. Remember the disciples on the Emmaus Road. They were in a great situation. Not really. They were incredibly sad. Jesus had been killed and they're walking along and then here's Jesus walking along beside him but they couldn't see him. Their minds were closed. And yet it says that when they took communion, it says that Jesus opened their minds so that they could recognise him. Boy, it's a good thing to pray. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see wonderful things in your word. You know, and it might just be that we're going through a difficult time and we can't understand just why. I was talking with someone yesterday and they were sharing about their brother who I know well that had been going through some difficult times and really got to the point of saying, Lord, what are you doing? He'd had a heart attack. He'd had a couple of hips replaced. He'd fallen off his truck and had to have his shoulder reconstructed and he sort of was getting down and saying, God, what's going on? And yet it was an opportunity for him to have God work in his life. Maybe some of you saw the news this last week. Channel 7, Tuesday night. So he's a friend of ours. She lost her foot in an accident up in Sydney, an amputee. She's actually part of a research project uh, getting the most out of prosthesis with Melbourne University at the moment. But one of the things that she said in that interview, if you saw it on the news, she said in many ways, I wouldn't change the situation because it's taught me so much about myself. Can I encourage you that if you're going through a challenging and a difficult time, that that may be just like the scarifier, the plough, that God's using Like Peter said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith brings forth, as it were, gold in our lives. Can I encourage us in those various situations to have our minds open? What's the second thing? The second soil, if the first soil represents our closed mind, The second soil, the shallow soil, represents a superficial mind. We can be very superficial sometimes, can't we? Jesus said, this refers to someone who hears God's word, receives it with joy, but since it has no root, it only lasts a short time. When a bit of trouble or difficulty comes, they quickly fall away. How many of you have one of these? Did you know that you have access to pretty much the total world's knowledge in your pocket with this thing? But how many of us use it just for Facebook to send pictures of cats (laughs) around to each other? Could we be anything more superficial for using the ability and the knowledge that's available to us What do we have here? How many of us have one of these? We have access to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, of God 
at our fingertips and how many of us just use it to quickly read something as we race out the door and not access the resources that we have in Jesus Christ. We can be superficial, can't we? We hear a fantastic sermon but by the time we get to the car park we've forgotten it and we're on to the next thing. What were we going to do this afternoon or what were we going to have for lunch? So what do we need to do if we're not going to be superficial? If we want God's word to take root and mature in my life, the thing that we need to do is to make time for God's word. Now, We've had lots of tools and things spoken with us about the last six weeks or eight weeks or however long it's been over this time. What I want to spend some time on though is that it's the time that we spend with each other, with other people interacting with God's word that's most critical in helping us not to be superficial in our thinking and in our response to God's word. Paul said, I pray, Colossians 3, that you may be rooted and established in love so that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how deep and long and wide is the love of God. Matthew 22:37, Love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. How many people say that they've got a great relationship with God, they know God's word really well and yet they can't get on with people or they've got a broken relationship with their husband or wife or with their children or with some other member of the family that something happened and they just will not forgive them and that's just there all the time. My relationship with God is fantastic and yet not here. What does John say? He says, if we say that we love God and don't love our brother, we're a liar. The point that I'm wanting to make, that if we're going to mature and not be superficial in our relationship with God, our relationships with each other must mature. If we don't have deep relationships with each other, with other people, other believers, then we probably don't have much of a relationship with God. I've become a grandpa this year. Isn't she wonderful? What's the point? I have no expectation that little Jemima is just going to mature on her own. That's fantastic. We can give some food there and, uh, you know, she'll be right. No, we have every expectation, don't we? That she'll be loved, that she'll be cared for, she'll be carried, her nappies will be changed. Everything will be done for her for a long time so that she can grow and mature. And yet sometimes we have the expectation of young believers amongst us that, well, that's okay, here's a Bible and... Here's some things to study and here's some great tools to be able to memorise God's word. It doesn't work like that. It's just the same. We've got to care for each other. 
We've got to look after each other. We've got to come alongside each other and say that's not the way to do it. How are things really going? If we're going to expect that we will mature in our faith in God. If we're not going to have a superficial reaction, a superficial mind to the things of God, then we need to spend time together in God's word. Not just time by ourselves, we've got to spend time together. We need to be in church. We need to be in Bible studies. We need to be going out for coffee with Christian friends to talk about the weather, but no, to talk about God's word and to talk about situations at work and how do the two come together and how can you encourage me and help me in that situation so that we'll mature in our faith. If we want to integrate God's word into our lives, we need to have good, sound Christian friends that we spend quality time with to help us mature. The third soil, the soil with weeds. So what does this mind represent? It represents a preoccupied mind. This was the seed that fell among the thorns or of the weeds and it says that the weeds grew up and choked out the word of God. You know, it's the same seed. It's fallen in, it's, we've responded in our mind to it, it starts growing but then we let other things choke it out of our life and worry and busyness and work money, whatever it might be, choke it out of our lives and we get preoccupied. I've got a friend who started meeting with me and another group of people in in Bible study and it was just fantastic. He was really responsive and he was saying that this is the only thing. He wasn't attending a church. Situations were such that this was the only fellowship that he was getting. And he'd often say to us as a group of guys, he'd say, you're my lifeline. You're the one that keeps me going. This, is, this study together is just so important. And he persisted for a while. And then on a Monday night, about now before Bible study had started, I started to get a text message. Oh, I've got something on with my family. Or I've got band practice. Or, look, I just need to be home with my wife um, tonight. And I'd catch up with him for coffee. And he'd say, well, look, you know, I really want to be there, but it's, it's just not working out. There's just other things. And, well, in actual fact, I didn't really mean other things to come in on Monday night, but I was just asked to help out with some adjudication and other things. And, and then I wasn't able to, to come and now he's not coming at all. And as far as I understand, he's not attending a church and he's not connecting with any other believers and they were all good things that he needed to be doing. But what got squashed out was God's word. I wonder how we're going. You see, this is the issue of being distracted and so what do we need to do? The thing that we can choose to do is to eliminate the distractions. 
you know, we think about problems and issues facing Christians. Is it how we react to the drug epidemic of ice in our community? Is it how we react to the refugee crisis that is occurring in the world today? Is it something that's really wicked and evil? I don't believe so. I think the biggest challenge that we face as believers is busyness. Is just being preoccupied with so many things. Again, these things. Have you seen the ad on tally where the dad comes home from work and mum comes with the basket and says, okay, we'll collect up all the items and we'll just have family time around the table. Because that doesn't happen. How many times do we sit at the table and we're having our meal or we're doing something and someone's there across from us but we're actually on our phone? How many people, when they go out for a date, sit opposite each other looking at their mobile phones? It's true, isn't it? And we didn't mean it to be that way but we just got distracted and it's just one of those things. You see... We don't have time for what's most important. You've perhaps heard this illustration before, but let me read it to you. It's a lecturer at Harvard. He's standing in front of a group of high-powered overachievers and he says, OK, it's time for a quiz. So he pulled out a big wide-mouthed jar, set it on the table here in front of him and then he produced a dozen fist-sized rocks And he carefully put all of these dozen rocks right in, filled it right up to the top. And when the jar was filled, he said, is the jar full? And of course his students said, yeah, it's full. He said, really? And he reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of gravel. And he poured some gravel in, shook it in, it went in around the big rocks. And he smiled and he asked the group once more, is the jar full? And what did they say? They were onto him by this time. Probably not. (laughs) He said, good. Okay, he reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of sand and he started pouring some sand in and shook it and it went in amongst the spaces in the gravel and then it went in the spaces around the big rocks and he asked the question one more time, is the jar full? What did the class shout? No! He said, good. And he got a jug of water and he began to pour it into the jar until it was filled to the brim. He looked at the class and he said, what's the point of this illustration? And one eager student stuck his hand up and he said, I know, I know. The point is that no matter how full your schedule is, if you really try hard you can always fit some more things into it. (laughs) And he said... No, he said, it's not that at all. He said, that's not the point. The truth this illustration teaches us, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never ever get them in at all. What are the big rocks in our lives? If we're going to integrate the word of God into our life, is it one of the big rocks? Or have we already put in to the jar all our big rocks? our family, our job, our house, the next set of holidays, 
the superannuation and all of a sudden we find that no more big rocks all fit in. You see, it comes back to our mindset. We can always find time to do the things that we really want to do. That's the soil with the weeds, the preoccupied mind. And finally, we've got the good soil. And the good soil is a willing mind. The good soil is where the truth gets planted deep down in our minds. The good soil is where we go, aha, yes, that makes sense and we go out and do it. We're teachable, we're humble, we're not a know-it-all, we say, God, teach me. Philippians 2. One translation says, have the same mindset as Jesus. Though he was God, yet for our sakes he became poor. Are we prepared to have that sort of mindset? Because when we do, then when we hear God's word, we will act on it. So that's what we need to do. We need to act on it. Don't just listen and deceive ourselves. Do what it says. And we know what that illustration refers to, don't we? You guys, you all looked in the mirror this morning, didn't you? Do you know what you look like now? That's what James said. When we look into God's word and then we go away and don't do it, it's just like when we got out of bed this morning and looked in the mirror and then we walked away and have forgotten what we look like. No, indeed. So, I won't go over all these. These are all tools to help us to act on God's word. Picture it, pronounce it, paraphrase it. I've got my book when we did it a couple of years ago that helps personalise it, probe it, Anyone memorise what the space pets means? No? It's hard, isn't it? I can't remember it. So I wrote them down. But it is interesting. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Is there a command to obey? Is there an example to follow? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there an error to avoid? A truth to believe? Something to praise God for? You know, the most important thing that I've been taught when you have a conversation with someone, not that I follow it, is to listen and if you've got to talk, ask a question. Ask a question. How many of us, me included, I'm having a conversation with you but I'm already thinking about what I'm going to ask you or what I'm going to say to you rather than actually hearing what you're saying. You see, and we often come to God's word like that. I've got to read this, okay, but I'm already on to the next thing of where I'm going to be as opposed to stopping and saying, okay, asking the word a question. Heather and I have had discussions about this a little bit. We heard someone, you might have heard them too, at Belgrave Heights talking about being the MC in the conversation. 
Do you remember that at all? That was just um, at the start of this year and the MC means is that you ask someone an M question. What do you mean by that? So someone's pontificating on about some situation and you say, well, what do you mean by that? And they have to stop and they have to rephrase it, don't they? And then they come up with some amazing you know, answer or whatever it might be or something that you don't agree with. Instead of saying, I don't agree with it, you ask them a C question. You say, how did you come to that conclusion? And listen. So I wonder if that's something this week we could be the MC when we come to God's word. What do you mean by that, God? How did you come to that conclusion? Oh, it's because this passage says that. Okay, I need to respond to that. So when we think about coming to a conversation with someone, even this morning, practice it. Ask some MC questions and you'll be amazed at the different way in which the conversation actually runs. So they're just some things that will help us to actually allow God's word to take root in our lives. And so finally, the key thing that we've got to do is we've got to trust in God's word as we continue to allow it to soak into our being. That's the ultimate test as to whether we've integrated it into our lives, isn't it? Do we trust it? Do we trust what it says? Do we stake our lives on what it says? And talking about that mindset, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we'll produce a wonderful crop like that. We trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it reveals Jesus and shows us how we can be saved. We thank you that it calms our fears and we thank you that it enlightens our mind. Thank you that it strengthens our will and it grows us in maturity. Thank you, Lord, that it calms our worries and it leads us when we're in the dark. Lord, I pray that you will renew our minds, that you will change our mindset so that your word will dwell in us and bring forth much fruit. And Father, we want to love you and we want to love each other as evidence of that relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.